The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends trying to help you make some money here. My job is not just to educate and teach, but I'm trying to entertain you, keep you in the game. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, Jim Kramer. Oh, I mean, we don't even care anymore. We just want to get out alive. At least that's how Wall Street reacted to today's red-hot employment number. The last thing you want to see if you're hoping for stocks to go higher, because it means the Fed needs to slam the brakes even harder. Hence, today's decline, Dow slipping 99 points, S&P dropping 0.57%, NASDAQ losing 1.4%. By the way, it was much worse, much worse earlier for the Dow and the S&P. But the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ remains in the bear blasso. Yep, we're now on slump watch. That's what I call it, slump watch. Waiting for something, anything to show signs of an economic slowdown, but not this kind. Remember, we are right now in one of those bad news is good news situations because the Fed won't stop tightening until the economy cools down and they're taking too long. Never should have taken that 75 basis points off the table. If you're a bull here, you want to slow down, but you don't want the angel of stock death to visit your house, just the other guy's house. And therefore, it's pretty tough to run the gauntlet. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from owning stocks. The opposite. But we are playing a different kind of game here. We're playing defense which means your portfolio should be split among some cash and some stocks that can thrive in a recession, and most importantly, a bull market in energy, which I talk to you about almost every night. You need to accept the fact that we're simply trying to stay in the game. Stay in the game until times get better, without any real knowledge of when that will happen or how much pain we'll have to take until we get there. But when we do reach the promised land, it'll be worth it, because that's when stocks come roaring back. That's been the case every time since I started buying stocks at, when the Dow Jones Industrial Average was at 1,000 back in the late 70s, when inflation was even worse than it is now. The only exception was the financial crisis, a moment of genuine systemic risk, which is something we don't have right now. We have cyclical risk, we have inflation risk, but we don't have systemic risk. So if we stay in, we can reap the gains in the slim bull market now and then really benefit when the slump finally ends. But if we're not in the game, we won't be able to get back in in time. I promise you that. With a sober analysis in mind, why don't we go to our game plan? And I know it's sober. I mean, look, I've changed with this period. I know what it's like. I traded 94. I traded in 87. Let me use that knowledge to help you. 
First up, Tyson Foods. Now, here we're hoping for bad news for the foodstuff producers. We want them to say something can come down in price that's put on our dinner table, whether it's beef or chicken or pork or, at this point, frankly, kale. Quinoa. Quinoa? Quinoa. We also have BioNTech reporting. Pfizer's mRNA partner. Now, right now, one of our biggest problems is China's COVID policy. They're locking down 50 million people right now because they refuse to use more effective mRNA vaccines. I don't understand the plan. It just got re-ratified last night. Maybe BioNTech can tell us if there's any hope that the Chinese government will actually try to vaccinate its people with something that works. And they'll choose BioNTech, which they have, because it's a German company, not an American one. In the afternoon, we're going to hear from Suncor, the Canadian oil sands company we profiled recently, the one that Elliott Management is trying to pressure into being a better operator. I think this is a fabulous buy. One way or another, Elliott's going to get its way. Let's hope Suncor recognizes that and decides to play ball because its stock will go much higher. Next, I know I'm a glutton for punishment, but I want to hear if Plug Power's turning all those orders or can turn those orders into something that actually is profitable. The stock got creamed today. Speaking of cream, Tuesday, we're going to learn if Peloton found anyone who'd be willing to buy part of the company, which is obviously in much better, much worse shape, much perilous shape, frankly, than even the bears believe. And we're pretty bearish on all the way down. I bet we'll eventually see some sort of like we crash like TV series made about Peloton, if not the dropout. And I wonder who's going to write the screenplay first. When we're on Inflation Watch, we're also on Trade Down Watch, which means we need to listen to Cisco. That's S-Y Cisco, the food distributor that can tell us if restaurants are balking at higher food prices. They ought to know. They supply a huge percentage of them. Then there's this phalanx of high-priced stocks that have come down to earth. Roblox, Rocket, Coinbase, SoFi, Real Real, Unity, Grow Generation. It's a cavalcade of horrors, frankly. We're going to tune on every one of them, and not just strictly for Schadenfreude purposes. We want to learn what happened. Capital destruction, the likes of which I haven't seen since the dot-com crash in 2000. All of these companies were at one point thought to be the best of the best. Real Real defined the circularity of selling your clothes to someone else for a check instead of everything ending up in a landfill. It was such a good idea. Why is the stock at five? Or why, when we had a red-hot mortgage market, is Rocket at 8 down from 22 last summer? Unity is a legitimate company that makes software for video game developers, but it pitched itself as the ultimate metaverse stock, which is probably why it plunged from north of 257 today. Growth Generation is a fallen cannabis star, but aren't they all? Roblox is another original metaverse creator. Fantastic company, bad stock. Original or not, we keep it in the penalty box that, uh, that all things meta belong in right now. Coinbase, proxy for Bitcoin, which is falling apart at the speed, same speed as the Nasdaq. Hey, it turns out that crypto was never a hedge against inflation. It was a speculative asset that's joined at the hip with every other speculative asset. As for SoFi, let's listen to CEO Anthony Noto as he tells us why we shouldn't sell it even down here. I am all ears. Now, of course, we certainly want to know more about Oxy Petroleum. Uh, after the close, because it's become one of Warren Buffett's biggest positions. I favor his other favorite, oil stock, Chevron. But Chevron's been a boring straight-A student. The market prefers C students like Occidental that are suddenly getting B-pluses. All right, now, look out, John Oliver. It's time for my quarterly joke about how my wife loves Wendy's Baconator. Guys, what are you guys doing? ruining my marriage. Get that picture down. Anyway, it's going to be a bit of a remix. I'll ne- Thank you. I'll never get in trouble for pointing out that she's got impeccable taste, right? I went, 
going out to Long Island this weekend. There's a really good one in the exit, in the exit 62. Wendy should be doing okay, but let's find out if they're having any staffing issues like so many other restaurant plays when they report Wednesday morning. Now, but Wednesday will really be defined by something that happens right here. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index. We know some of these inflation components, like used car prices, are already down big. So there's some hope for a softer number. But I fear that it could be like today's employment number, way too hot for our own good. If we do get a weaker CPI figure, the market could rally. If so, you know what you want to buy? You want to buy... The Dutch Bros! Yes! My favorite coffee house now that Starbucks has kind of lost its way. Uh, they reported for the close, and I think it's going to be real good. We also want to know about this thing, Rivian, the electric truck maker. Will they, will they let Ford sell its 10% stake, please? In November, Rivian was valued at more than $150 billion. Now it's valued at $25 billion. Mark's pretty thick, huh? Better than nothing if Ford can sell. But obviously, they would have been better offering the register into the IPO if they had been allowed to. Now, I'm also very interested in listening to a company called Sonos when it reports, because this is a work from home story. They wire your house for music and they'll tell us if spending on the home is cool. And I'm very afraid it has. Then I spy three T's on Thursday, Tapestry, Toast and Taboola. Now, Tapestry is the old coach, along with some small brands. It's supposedly having a good quarter. I'm very concerned about apparel. Under Armour just posted a terrible number today talking of canceled orders. Kiss of death, because that spells G-L-U-T, glut. I've been anti-toast ever since it came public, not because I have a problem with point-of-sale technology or that they aren't nice people. It's good and they're nice, but because there are way too many players in that space. I know it because I own restaurants. Finally, Taboo is one of these companies that makes, creates like clickbait. It was only able to come public last year because we were in a ridiculous period reminiscent of the dot-com era. Might as well hear from Wheels Up, Poshmark 2, another pair of newly public companies that slipped through and have hurt your portfolio. Again, two you know, people run Poshmark and wheels up. Very nice. Fortunately, Friday's quiet. Uh, I think we're going to need it. The bottom line, you need cash, you need safety stocks, you need energy stocks, and you need patience to make it through this period. Without all of those, though, the nightmare will continue. Robert in Ohio. Robert. Hi, Jim. I, first, I wanted to tell you I'm very happy I joined your investing club. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you so now, much. We had a good I'm talk yesterday. About, okay, yeah. Uh, it was a good show. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling about a company that has great products people love. They're low beta. They got a solid dividend, and they had a really good quarter last quarter. Going forward, do you think Kellogg's is a buy? I went over that quarter, and I don't want to necessarily say it was a good Kellogg, but that was a great quarter. And I think that Kellogg has taken some costs out and are doing a lot of things right. You're starting to get better organic growth. Robert, you're riding a good one. Don't forget, by the way, you want that area? Look at that Hershey. Wow. And thank you for joining the club and coming to the meeting. How about James in California? James. Booyah. Yo, Jimmy Chill, how are you? The chill man be, be chilling because I'm gardening this weekend. And I garden oh, yeah, like get, nobody. Get in that garden. First yeah. off, I'd like to wish all the moms out there a happy Mother's Day, especially Absolutely. to my beautiful wife, Holly. Now, Same. I'm looking for the best in breed blue chip stock like an A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith for the Eagles and not some SPAC bust like a Jalen Rager. Go Birds, and I'd like to get your take on Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble's A.J. Brown. It's number 11. It's terrific. Can do the short route. Can run through traffic. Got good cost uh, control. Fabulous dividend. Dividend aristocrat. It could take you to the Super Bowl. I'm not kidding. 
Nancy in Illinois. Nancy. Hi, Jim. Recently, I read an article about MCD that mentioned a whale. What is a whale, and what does it mean for the future of the stock? Okay. Um, just have personnel problem for a moment there. Uh, okay. Yeah, let me get to that. Um, uh, I think that it's uh, – look, I think they're just a very good company. Stock was up today all day. Uh, good dividend. It is, again, it's an aristocrat. I like it. Um, I have to repair my marriage, uh, so I'll have to take an early break today. Um, all right, so uh, it grounds for divorce. The Baconator. All right, you need cash. You need safety stocks. You need energy stocks. You need patience, okay? We're going to get through this period together. We always do. Come on, we've been together for so many years. Does it not work? Hey, join the club, and you're going to get a level of me that's even more visceral than me making fun of my wife eating a Baconator on Man Money Tonight. Amid the increase in, increase in volatility, should investors turn to a dividend play like Sempra? Wow, that's a good one. I'm checking with the CEO. Then yesterday, the CNBC Investing Club, we held our monthly, we, held, we convened our monthly meeting for subscribers only. I'm giving you a quick look at what you get. And I've got to tell you, if you own stocks and you don't belong to the club, you're missing something. And MP Materials fell today after earnings. Are investors getting a rare opportunity to buy the stock of a rare earth mineral company? I write this stuff. It's funny, isn't it? I'm talking, I don't really do it. I'm talking to the company's top brass. I want you to stay with the investing club and stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is 
constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I said it before, I'll say it again. Even in a very difficult market, there are plenty of stocks that can rally. Take Semper, diversified utility in California and Texas, with a big natural gas pipeline business and a growing liquefied natural gas export division. Semper's always been a well-run utility, exactly the kind of stock that's worked when we're worried about a Fed-mandated recession, which is what it seems like we're getting. But now it's also got the liquefied natural gas kicker. They've got one export terminal in Louisiana, and they're working on several more. That's why I recommended this fabulous stock about a month ago, up 24% for this miserable year. Because thanks to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, our government is now desperate to promote LNG exports to fossil fuel-starved Western Europe. It's like Semper had seen this coming. We know the business is thriving because last night Semper reported a really terrific quarter. Substantial top and bottom line beat, which was enough to actually send the stock up more than 2% today. Given its relative cheapness and the 2.8% yield, it's low yield because the stock doing so great. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't have more room to run. But let's take a close look at the really super executive. His name's Jeff Martin, chairman and CEO of Semper, to learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Martin, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, it's great to be on with you again. You know, I'm always reminding you I'm your biggest fan. Well, thank you, Jeff. I, you are uh, a faithful watcher, and I appreciate that. Now, but what I read over your company, I, for a moment, I have to say to myself, did he see all this coming? The, the fact that Mexico needs our liquefied natural gas when they were a huge oil export. The fact that Europe needs our natural gas. I know it's only one part of Semper, but I want to start there. How great can this LNG business really be? Look, we're very excited. I think that we have long talked about for about three or four years the need for a second wave of American LNG. And in part, that's because we believe as part of the energy transition, Jim, it'll be very important for a lot of the OECD nations and developing nations to have access to natural gas as they move away from coal for power production. So all that's really taken place is when you have functioning markets like we do today, is that risk and opportunity has been pulled forward. And we're really in a unique position to have opportunities to dispatch LNG off the west coast of North America to Asia and out of the Gulf to Europe. So I think we're in great shape. Now, has the president talked to you about how to do this? Because that was, I would dial you up to say, what do I do? How do I help Europe? And what are the conversations like? Well, I will tell you, there is certainly a recognition uh, across the administration and all the federal agencies that this is the right time to put together a program that will be responsive to the needs of Europe. And as you think about it, there's about 18 billion cubic feet today of gas that flows into Europe from Russia. That's about 45 percent of the European continent's uh, access to natural gas. The best country in the world that's in a position to help solve that problem is the United States. So this is not just about Semper. The entire U.S. LNG community is in a great position to be part of the solution. All right. Now, I spent a lot of time in Mexico and deal with a lot of companies that have a relationship with Mexico. You have the single best of anyone I deal with. How did you create that? Because it is a very important relationship and you're at the keystone of it. Yeah, well, I appreciate the question. Uh, we started investing in Mexico back in 1995 before it became popular. And I'll remind you, today it's the 15th largest economy in the world. 
In our internal estimates, Jim, we think it moves down to number seven on a GDP basis. 130 million consumers, that's one of the fastest growing consumer markets in the Western Hemisphere. Their great challenge, much like Europe, is they tend to be relatively energy secure. Roughly 70% of all the energy they consume every day is imported. And that's one of the reasons Sempra has been investing consistently there. And we've got about $11 billion invested in Mexico. So we are really the dominant provider of the energy network to Mexico. And as one example, the largest export market for US natural gas is Mexico. We flow about 7 billion cubic feet today to Mexico. And the reason it's so important it's a country that has traditionally used high sulfur oil for power production. So America's playing a role not only in improving their energy security, but helping them move to a lower emissions fuel. And we own 11 of the 25 pipelines that serve Mexico and roughly 66% of all gas that flows to Mexico flows across our network. Well, I want people to understand that one of the things that Semper does and it was really great that you said that U.S. does that, but a lot of it's just separate in terms of the environment. I had not been a believer in renewable natural gas until I met you, because you are making <laughs> you are making things that are that are actually, I thought, too expensive. You're making them into very reasonably priced fuels that are very good for the environment. RNG's real. It certainly is. And here in California, we made a commitment about two years ago, Jim, that we would serve uh, 20 percent of all the natural gas that goes to the consumer market from renewable natural gas. You're talking about landfill gas and other exogenous methane in the environment that we're capturing and using that in the pipeline system. And combusted methane is far less of a problem from the environment than letting it happen naturally. So we, we feel good about that. The regulator here in the state re- recently passed a rule mandating that all load-serving entities need to at least have 12% of its fuel supplies come from renewable natural gas by 2030. So I think there again, we were ahead of the curve. Oh, you definitely were. Now, and speaking of ahead of the curve, I usually don't talk about this, but your board is 91% independent, 55% women and or people of color, a diverse board. I want to know why everybody, I think how this must be incredibly important to you because that is, those are the best numbers I've seen in terms of trying to represent everybody in this country. Well, it's interesting you say that. What we talk about a lot is creating a high-performing culture. We think one of the things that is unique at our company is we've got three separate growth engines. But the key to it over a long period of time, Jim, is finding that fourth growth, growth engine and that fifth growth engine. And we believe that comes out of our culture. So the elements for us of a high performing culture is to be safe in our operations, to invest in leadership development and employee development. And we believe in diversity and inclusion. And it's not an academic exercise. Our board reflects our commitment to the belief that diverse backgrounds allow you to make better business decisions. At the end of the day, our job as a leadership team is to make one good management decision after another. And we believe that diversity plays into that. Well, I, th- I, th- I think it does. The decisions that you've made are so much forward-looking than almost everybody else we speak to. I want to thank you for what you've done with Semper Energy and what you've done for shareholders. Not a lot of people making money this year, but I'll tell you something. Jeff Martin is making money for you. Jeff Martin's the chairman and CEO of Semper. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm going to be back after the break. Attention, America. It's a volatile market, but don't worry. Kramer's answering your pressing questions to help you through the uncertainty. Next. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. This is different. I've always had the same mission to help investors, to help you navigate volatile and uncertain times like we have right now. It is so easy to panic, right? But always remember, panic is not a strategy. It's much better to be curious. And thankfully, we have a lot of curious viewers. So tonight, I'm going to open the floor to questions from all of you. Uh, What the heck is going on? Because most of you have never seen anything like this. I've seen it happen two times in my career. And I need you to know that it's an opportunity, an opportunity. By the way, Jeff Marks, who is my partner for the club, and I answered many of your pressing questions yesterday during CNBC Investing Club's monthly meeting. It was by far my favorite part of the hour. And the reason why it was my favorite part of the hour, just so you know, is because I feel like I'm talking directly to all of you, not just to one person. And this meeting that we have, it is not like anything else you're ever going to see. It is spirited. It's authentic. We go back and forth. We disagree. We try to reason with each other. Happened all morning today on a couple of tough positions, just like the one you're going to be hearing. Let me just say I pour my heart out, okay? It's real and it's visceral. I want you to first take a look at what we get up to in our monthly meetings because, yes, I want you to join. Take a look. This is actually their time for them to start looking at deals when valuations are coming down. They can buy anything. Buying tech stocks are all down big. I I don't want to bet against Dan Hearn. No, and that's how you have to look at sometimes great management team. All right, my final comments are this. It's a horrible market. We all know it's a horrible market. What we think of when we have a horrible market is get out now. How wrong was get out now? In 1998, how wrong Get Out Now will be at this moment. You see, what I'm saying there is that there was a time when a lot of people panicked, including me. In 1998, I made a big mistake. The market then proceeded to go up gigantically. I was able to reverse my position. I wrote all about it. But you need to know that my panic was exactly when the market bottomed. And we don't do that. And I learned from that. And I explain all my foibles at these meetings. And most people will never admit they have foibles. You know what? I've been around long enough to be able to do it, and it doesn't bother me. If you miss that monthly meeting, I want you to go watch it. You can log on to catch up. Because I've got to tell you, it isn't like anything else I do. It's not like this. It's not like squawk on the street. It's not like the morning meeting, even. It is about... Trying to figure it out. Now, we didn't get to all the club meeting uh, questions yesterday. And that bothered us, but we were running long on time already. So I'm going to take them right now on Mad Money. And the first one is from Vincent in New York, who asks, Amazon and Alphabet both have stock splits coming up. If you did not currently hold a position, would you take a position prior to the split under the thinking that retail investors will come in afterwards? We are not even going to think like that, Vincent. Here's the way we're going to think about it. This company, which we have sold a huge amount of, Amazon, is not doing well. 
Just not. It's not the Jeff Bezos Amazon. This company, however, is doing great. I don't care if you buy it before or after or during the split. This one not making it. This one is. We still hold some of this for the trust. I know that I talked about it with Jeff this morning that maybe we even have to sell the rest. All right. Now, next one is from Jill in Illinois. She asks, what do you think of Upstart? It makes money, has low P.E. and peg ratios, and seems to be picking up new customers at a steady rate. Is it a buy in this environment? Okay, so let's take a look at this. It is not a low P.E. Jill, it sells at 35 times earnings. It reports next week. Do I think it'll be good? There's a 27% short position upstart. The shorts hate it. The moment it reports, they're going to come in and bang it down. Let's talk about it then. Not now. Okay, here's a question from Jose in Florida. What do you think about United Health Group? Buy, hold, or sell? This company had an amazing quarter, and it's down 60 points for when it had an amazing quarter. And Cigna reported again, and that was a competitor, and they did great. United Health, it's a buy. Next is Gary in Florida, who asks, I bought Lowe's near its high at around 250. Should I hang on to it or lick my wounds and use whatever's left for some different stock? I don't care whether you bought it at 350 or 150 or 200. I care about where it's going not where it came from. This may not be the best quarter for Lowe's, but it's the next quarter that matters because it's planting and gardening season. I believe in Marvin Ellison. I don't care where you bought it. I like Lowe's. Don't be aggressive, but buy more. Now we got a question from Anthony in Florida who's wondering, should I sell and take the loss in Roblox or keep for the long haul? I think that they are going to report just a so-so quarter next week. It's not going to be a great quarter, but it's in the third. Its stock is down. I don't know. It's down 80 points. It could go down another 10. And still be overvalued. That's up to you to decide if you can handle that. Next is Andrew in Idaho, who says, what are your thoughts on Yeti as a long-term hold? Okay, so Yeti reports next week. There, as soon as we recommended last week, there was a guy who came out and downgraded it. I worry about the possibility. I worry about the possibility that people are going to say that Yeti's time has come and it is gone. Now, I've got to tell you, Andrew, when I look at a company like Yeti, I actually use the products. I like the products. And remember what I like about a stock. Does it make things? Does it do things? Sell things at a profit? Gives you some return of that profit? That's the one problem Yeti doesn't have. It's not giving us enough of a return. So my my experience is, is that, yes, you can buy it. I think it's a very, very good company, a very, very good product. But I bet that the stock goes down when it reports next week, unless we're really, really oversold. Now, for William in North Carolina, he asks, I have a nice run-up in McKesson. How do you decide when to sell and move on? Okay. McKesson reported a great quarter. So my answer of how you decide when to sell and move on is it reported a great quarter in, in an environment where there are no, where only a handful of companies report great quarters. Why do I want to sell McKesson? Well, put it in a company that doesn't do, doesn't do well. I don't want to sell the good to fund the bad. Finally, we've got one, and this is really in my wheelhouse because of what I've been studying with energy. It's from Manny in New York, and he's saying, What is your outlook for utility stocks like Con Ed and Public Service Enterprise Group? And here's what I've decided. I've decided that I don't want to be in utilities. Utilities pretty much trade as a group, but I don't want to be in utilities that are in areas that are heavily regulated because I see anger and political issues and people in government who want to show that they are not going to let you be hurt by inflation. And those are situations like New York and New Jersey. I would much rather be in American Electric Power or in Sempra. By the way, Sempra is a growth stock. It's a growth stock, for heaven's sake. These, they're not growth stocks. They're just not. All right, that's all for now. But remember, in a market like this, 
want you to stay curious and keep asking questions and looking for opportunity. Now, by the way, there is much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with MP Materials. From EVs, which is electric vehicles, to wind turbines, the need for rare earth materials is growing, and it's also about our defense. I'm seeing if the demand is enough to help grow the stocks. Then, uh, are stocks themselves collateral damage in the Fed's fight against inflation, or are they part of the problem and Powell's taking aim at them? I'm going to give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. heinous markets creating some deep, deep discounts. Some of them could be great long-term opportunities if you know what to look for. Consider the case of MP, that's Mary Peter Materials, the largest producer of rare earth minerals in the Western Hemisphere, which came public in late 2020 via a SPAC merger. This is one of the few, very few SPAC stocks that's actually worked for investors because MP Materials had the advantage of being a real business with real profits. And look, we know the business is still good because last night they reported a blowout quarter. Nine-cent earnings beat off a 41-cent base is fueled by 177% revenue growth. These guys have an incredibly consistent track record of shooting the lights out. Yeah, stock went down 5% today. It means nothing to me as far as I'm concerned because this market is so crazy in the short term. But this thing's been taken down from 60 to 37. I like that. I think Wall Street's become skeptical of how MP materials can hold up in a Fed-mandated recession. But these rare earth minerals are in such super short supply. Most of them come from China. No thank you. I'm pretty confident demand isn't going anywhere up but up, which makes it a bargain. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Jim Latinsky. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of MP Materials to get a better sense of the quarter. Mr. Latinsky, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. Now, I've got two nice releases. To see you again. Yep, you too. I've got two releases on my desk. First one, Texas Rare Earth Magnetics Factory restore full U.S. supply chain. You and I talked that that had to happen. And then a second one, the president visited you because he understands how important this is. And then I went out to dinner with Mary Barra, and she says that you could be one of the solutions they have. you got three things going for you. Why don't we start with the, the supply chain being no longer connected with China one day? Sure. Well, uh, and thanks, Jim, that you, you got it all there. Um, we, as we, we announced uh, the Texas factory, and we actually broke ground. We had a great ceremony um, and then we also had announced an award in February with the president of the United States. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, you know, really, this is sort of a, a bipartisan thing. Everybody in the country wants to get this supply chain home. Uh, we're, we're leading the way on that. And so what we announced is that the, we will send rare earth materials that we make at Mountain Pass, California, over to Fort Worth, Texas, and we will turn those into magnets. And then as part of that, as, as you mentioned, we announced the GM deal. So we'll be uh, uh, we'll be making magnets for GM and Jim. I believe you are on the wait list for a Hummer EV, right? Uh, my wife is on. She well, decided to is. go for the for the SUV Hummer because she oh, said okay, she had great. problems. Yeah. The, she test drove the, the the Hummer and said it was one of the greatest experiences ever. But it was hard to hard to find a spot a parking spot that was big enough. But she said it was an amazing. Is that yours? Is that your materials in that? Uh, well, so the the so G, uh, GM's Ultium platform, which is their electric oh, sure. vehicle uh, platform, we we will be part of that deal. Was we will be providing magnets for a number of models across uh, that platform out of our factory in Fort Worth, uh, and, and that'll be you know one hundred percent end to end U.S. supply chain. So you think we can be independent at least some rare earth materials from China? Not all, but you have the ability to be independent of how much. Of independent of, of these incredibly. Oh, we will be, Jim. 
we will be completely independent of China for, for all rare earth materials for that deal that we announced uh, with the initial facility in Texas with GM. That'll be all U.S. made materials. OK, so how can you raise enough money to be able to make it so that we're number one in this? Yeah, so that's a great question. Well, the good news is, you know, we, we have a lot of cash on our balance sheet. As you mentioned, we're a free cash flow positive business. Mm-hmm. We announced a great quarter. We're you know, doing run rate 500 million of EBITDA. We have 1.2 billion in cash. And, you know, we've made clear that we believe we'll, we announced with the president, we'll be investing $700 million over the next couple of years. And if you do the math where current prices are today, you know, we believe we'll still have a net cash position. So the good news is we are, you know, we're sort of in the sweet spot of what you've been talking about. We, we generate a lot of free cash flow today. We've got high return on capital investment opportunities. And then, you know, from there, you know, we'd like to uh, uh, 10X our facility and then move on from there. This industry is, it's an enormous opportunity. Um, You know, electrification uh, is is, uh, a great theme. Um, Defense. We need this. Right. If we're not independent, what could happen to our country? Yeah. Well, the key thing, Jim, is is this is the bigger existential issue is, you know, as I said on our earnings call, four of the 10 largest OEMs by, by for battery electric vehicles by market share are now Chinese manufacturers. And so this is actually a commercial national security issue where we're just in a global race to compete. And, you know, our mission as a company MP is we just want to make sure that American OEMs led by, you know, GM and our in our deal we announced in Texas have an American option for a full supply chain. And, you know, we we expect this doesn't need to be a, a zero sum game out there because there's just so much growth. Um, but but really, the issue is just making sure that there's supply chain diversity. And that's that's the mission for, that we're after. Uh, one last question. Uh, it's yeah, a little more ethereal, but you were back. Uh, there have been many, many SPACs since you. Why are you one of the handful of SPACs that makes money? Well, I, I think that we, when when we approach this, and, and maybe you know, it comes from the fact that uh, I had a number of years in the investment industry in advance. You know, we we were very focused about making sure that we were building a public company the right way that we you know could put out reasonable numbers and beat them, that we were building the business and making sure that we were creating value for all shareholders. This going public was really the beginning of a large growth journey for us uh, in a thoughtful way. It wasn't it wasn't an exit. You know, we're here. And then but the other thing, Jim, I would say, and I think this speaks to maybe something that could be helpful for for your viewers as they think about this market is, you know, we've been in a 14 year um, bull market that has now ended um, in, in growth in technology. And, and essentially, there's been a negative cost of capital uh, right. In the technology space, the real economy has been starved. The cost of capital, as you look a- across, uh, you know, the cost of capital for mining, materials, energy, and I know you're a fan of energy. You know, we think this whole space is is really going to be the new bull market. If you look a- out for the next three or five years, um, there needs to be a lot of capital that comes, particularly into the electrification economy, the real stuff. And so, I think that. Um, you know, real stuff is going to lead the way in the next three to five years because we we look around at the supply that's there and the amount of stuff that needs to come online. And we need a lot of capital to come right. to this space. So I know that with this sell off, you know, we need to and a lot of these companies are buying back stock. And, you know, you can look at ours, you can look at many. And, and so I think this is the new bull market. I real agree stuff. with you. I agree with you. Real stuff made by real companies that generate real cash flow that can do great things. And that one of them is MP Materials. That's Jim Matinsky, CEO of MP Materials. You got to read these guys. These guys are, can help us become independent of a, com- of a country that is not necessarily one that I regard as friendly anymore. Thank you, Jim. 
appreciate it. Thank you. Mad Money's back here for the break. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dag. I'm waiting on kids with money. And I'm starting with Zach in New York. Zach. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. So I'm calling about Nokia and OK. I I thought they should have had a better quarter. I mean, we've given them a huge runway in Europe and they did not deliver. Jeff in Nevada. Jeff. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for taking my call. The chill says thank you. Okay. Hey, it's been tough for the offshore oil drillers for a long time, but Mr. Thickpen at Transocean, symbol R-I-T, Rick. Transocean is nothing but net right now. Let me throw, I'm going to throw in slumbers here. I'll give you two for, let's go to David in New York. David. Hey, Jim. How are you, pal? How you doing? Booyah. Booyah. First time call, long time fan. How you doing? I am doing well, although I have to admit I can't wait to do some gardening this weekend. How about you? Oh, me too. Me okay. too. I'm gonna relax. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, let me know what your feeling is about Novak. Is that going back? I've to never been a fan. I think that they went all the way up. I told people that you know, look, this isn't the one. If you want to be in that group, you got to be in the Moderna or be in the Pfizer. Let's go to Alex and Washington, Alex. Uh, Mr. Kramer, thank you so much for having me on, and thanks for all you do. I have a question about Rabian. You know, it traded $179 in November, and today it's down to 28 Is it a hold? Uh, or I don't know. Ford's gonna be, I think Ford's going to get a chance to sell its stock. If you really like Rivian, I would wait for the chance when Ford sells its stock to buy Rivian. Let's go to Thomas in Nevada. Thomas. Yes. Hey, booyah, Kramer. Booyah. Listen, I'm not a real gambling man. Uh, but I was watching the show the day you gave Plug Power your blessing. Prior to that, you did not. Well, let's understand. I, they report next week. I like the long-term prospects of green hydrogen, which Plug Power has. But my buddy, my construction buddy that I went to, to when I walked by today, we both commiserated that right now this is a very tough tape for stock like Plug Power. And he's absolutely right. Let's go to Douglas in New Jersey. Douglas. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. I just want to get your take on Chubb Insurance, ticker CB. You know what? Evan Greenberg is just delivering and delivering and delivering. He's a great CEO, and Chubb is a great company. Let's go to Paul in Connecticut. Paul. Hi, Jim. Lumen Technologies. I keep hearing great things about Lumen. I keep hearing great things. My problem is that I don't understand. You know what? Let's have him one because, you know, I don't understand why it sells at five times earnings. I mean, to me, that's just too cheap. Something must be going on that I just don't understand. Let's go to Daniel in Wisconsin. Daniel. Yes, booyah. booyah. I'm a small-time investor, long-time listener. Excellent. And I'm wondering about the stock Verizon. Wouldn't she drop well, it's forward? come all the way down and we yields 5.3%, but T-Mobile is really crushing. T-Mobile's crushing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. The central bank's tightening timeline has brought stocks into a blast zone. But Kramer's helping investors find names that could weather the Fed-induced volatility. Next. 
Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. All right, I got to thinking this week. I started thinking, is it possible that the stock market is, is actually collateral damage in the Fed's fight against inflation? Or is it actually a key front in the fight against inflation? In other words, are stocks part of the inflation problem? Something the Fed needed to take aim at directly in order to cool things down and stabilize prices. And you know you feel that, too, because I watch your portfolio. Either way, the market's going to keep getting hit because of this. I think the Fed will win the battle against inflation, but there could be even more downside for the averages in the process, especially if the capital markets remain hostile to IPOs and SPAC deals. We'll ultimately see fewer rapidly expanding startups and fewer jobs created. For a long time, it was very easy for businesses, good or bad, or even non-existent, to raise money on Wall Street. Path took that away. It's no longer the case. So let's take a company like Shopify, because you know it, I know it. Software company helps uh, small and medium-sized businesses set up their own e-commerce platforms, second largest fulfillment house after Amazon. At the end of 2019, right before the pandemic, Shopify was the $397 stock. Then as the government threw money at small businesses and the Fed made it inanely easy for companies to borrow money, Shopify's stock charged above $1,700 last fall. But ever since Jay Powell declared war on inflation in November, Shopify has fallen below where it was before the pandemic. I don't think Powell is deliberately trying to tamp down the irrational exuberance in specific stocks like a Shopify or today HubSpot or Toast or Build.com. They're all legitimate companies. It's just that their valuations were way too high. And that froth helped fuel the overinflated IPO and SPAC bubble that I know Powell had to stop. However, I, I, I got to believe Powell is concerned about other developments with the stock market. For instance, he had good reason to keep interest rates low during the height of the pandemic. But the problem with giving companies access to more or less free money is that it's always going to be temporary. And when that money goes away as it is now, the hangover can really hurt the economy. And again, your portfolio. I think the stock market as a whole was and is a major risk to containing inflation. It's not just collateral damage. It's one of Powell's targets. Not every stock, but certainly the ones with shaky valuation underpinnings that were trading through the roof on sales or even orders because they had no actual earnings. When you look at the detritus today and yesterday, you realize the damage here actually did start a long time ago. Now, I'm hearing people compare this period to 1994 to 1995, when then-Fed Chair Alan Greenspan doubled the federal funds rate from 3 to 6% through a series of rapid-fire, seven rapid-fire rate hikes, including one 75-basis-point triple rate hike and three other 50-basis-point double rate hikes. Now, you might have thought the whole, that that would wreck the whole stock market, but it barely dinged the S&P 500. I know, I had a big year that year. When I was still at my hedge fund. And we, that was because we processed those rate hikes quickly. It produced a huge rally, especially in the financials. In other words, high-quality stocks did just fine. The profitable ones that make real things and do stuff and return capital did well during the tightenings. I think we could be faced with a very similar process this time around. Uh, but I was upset because it's being too slow. I mean, it was really ill-advised that Powell took the possibility of a 75 basis point rate hike off the table. 
I see that as a mistake. I think we need a hundred basis point rally, hundred rate hike, a hundred, because we got to get this over with. And heaven knows, I am Pal's biggest fan on Wall Street. To me, it's just much better to get the pain over with as fast as possible. The economy's so strong that we actually may need a 1994-style shock to contain inflation. In the meantime, while we wait for the Fed to finish hitting the brakes, the formerly high-flying stocks with no earnings and little sales will keep drifting lower and lower and lower because they represent still one more important front in the war against inflation. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. News with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.